0: You know, it's difficult uh, living in the country that we do and uh, being in the month of November not to think of things that we're thankful for. Just out of curiosity, and you don't have to raise your hand, you can just kind of nod at me if you want to, or you can stare at me awkwardly. It's your choice. I don't want to feel like I've made you do anything, but do you all come from families where on Thanksgiving, sometimes before you can eat, which I think older people do that to make children miserable or to teach them that sometimes you have to wait for the good things in life, right? I'm not sure which it is, but you have to go around the table and tell something that you're thankful for. Anybody had to grow up in a family like that? You did, Beth? Yeah, a lot of people did that. Yeah, I know you did, Grayson. We sure did. sure did. My favorite was when there was like, oh, wow, we, we went from 10 people to 30 people. We get to hear, 30 people be thankful before we eat, yay, I already didn't eat breakfast for this. Anyway, it's just that, it's just that month, right, where we're, we think about those things. I even started thinking about how we use the, the terminology, thank you. I grew up in a house where we were taught to have manners, and we weren't allowed to have stuff unless we said, thank you. Somebody gave us something. What do you say? Anybody ever tried? That's what I thought. Nobody? Okay, so y'all are all from the South? Yeah. See, in my family, you said thank you. What do we say? Thank you. And if you didn't say thank you, what happened? All kinds of stuff, right? You didn't get the thing? I got spankings. Anybody else get spankings? Some of you, I know you did, and I can tell by your attitude today, but I got spankings, right? Like there were consequences if I wasn't thankful for the fact that someone thought of me to, to, to give me a gift or to do something for me. And out of respect, my parents taught me to use those words. The purpose of this isn't to talk about the lessons we ought to or ought not teach our children. It's just it's a reminder. We need to think about what it means to be thankful. And I stumbled upon this article. I'm going to read you a little bit about it, but it was ironic to me at least that this time of year I would come across an article entitled, We Get Accustomed to Our Blessings. Listen to this. I have felt for a long time that one of the particular temptations of the maturing Christian is the danger of getting accustomed to their blessings. Like the world traveler who has been everywhere and seen everything, the mature Christian is in danger of taking the blessings that they're given for granted and getting so accustomed to them that they fail to excite them as they once did. Emerson said that if the stars came out only once a year, everybody would stay up all night just to see them. We've seen the stars so many times, we don't even bother to look up anymore. We've grown accustomed to our blessings. The Israelites in the wilderness got accustomed to their blessings, and God had to discipline them. God fed the nation with heavenly manna every single morning, and yet the people were tired of it. But now our whole being is dried up, they said. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Nothing but manna. I was thinking about that this week, and I thought about how there's a perspective opportunity there, one of fleshly desire and one of holy righteousness, Do we see the blessings of God in our lives as manna or God's provision? You see, even the title that they gave it demonstrated what was on their hearts, right? Oh, no, look, more manna. I I, I propose that if they would have gotten up each morning and walked outside and said, My God Almighty, the provision of the Lord. Their hearts would have been significantly different. They were experiencing, literally, each and every morning of their lives, God's provision, a miracle from heaven, yet they were no longer excited about it. Nothing but manna. One of the evidences that life provides us that shows whether or not we've grown accustomed to our blessings is the spirit of criticism and complaining. Instead of thanking God for what we have, we complain about it and tell him we wish we had something else. And maybe we don't do that. Maybe we simply think, if only there were better. You could be sure that if God did give us what we asked for, we would eventually complain about that. The person who has gotten accustomed to his blessing can never be satisfied. I wanted to ask you this morning, have you grown accustomed to your blessing? How do you feel, or how will you feel tomorrow morning when your alarm clock goes off? Like, I I have to be creative with my alarm clock. I try to put on music that inspires in me positive behavior, right? Right? Let's, put, let's make it a worship song. It's kind of hard to, to, to slam your phone or throw it across the room if the first thing you hear is the holiness of God, right? Like I have to, I have to, I have to conjure it up sometimes. And I, 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 I'm just so discouraged and ashamed of myself because the fact that the alarm went off and I heard it, that's a blessing. It's opportunity. I got to get up and go to work. Nothing but manna. I get to live another day to the glory of God. Holy perspective. You understand? The provision of the Lord or nothing but manna. It's a choice that we make, isn't it, church? I don't know about you, but the the desire of my life is that it reflects how thankful I am to God because I recognize that I'm blessed. Now, now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not thankful to God because he's given me things. I'm thankful to God because of who he is, right? I mean, he packaged an amazing gift 2,000 years ago, and his name was Jesus. And if I don't get anything else from him for the rest of my life, God has been faithful, God has been good, and I am blessed. Amen? Amen. You see, we spend so much of our times as Christians waiting on something else. And God's like, what would I give you? I've given you Jesus. I've given you see, this whole idea of you just waiting on a blessing. Come down here and get your blessing. You hear this preached in churches sometimes. It's it's heresy. There's no such thing. That theology doesn't exist in Scripture. The Jewish people, God through them laid out exactly what the blessing of the Lord looks like from the very beginning. God with us blessed. What if we went through life instead of living in expectation of something that's going to come to us, we began to live our life recognizing that we already have it. Amen, church? You have what it is you're looking for. Here's something else that I was thinking of. Not only do I struggle sometimes being thankful, but but usually when I'm thinking, when I sing things like, All my life you have been faithful. You know what I'm thinking about? The good things God's done. Are you only who you are because of the good stuff that happened in your life? But God took the garbage and turned it into gold. Amen? Like, I'm thinking, if, I, if I'm honest, some of the times in my life when I made my biggest mistakes, when I had my, what I would consider my, my, my worst failures, God took even that and used it to his glory. Amen? Like, God is good all the time. God is faithful all the time in what what I would call good and what I would call bad. I wish I didn't make those mistakes, but I'm more thankful that I serve a God who can turn mistakes to his glory. Amen? God has used every bit of it to make me and every one of you in this room the people that you are today. And here's something else that I thought of as I began to look at that and think of that perspective. There's a lot more good in my life than I give God glory for. Like I've noticed sometimes that I'll have one little thing go wrong and the list of hundreds of thousands of things that God's hand has been all in, I suddenly, I'll, I'll forget it. Anybody like that? And it's always something stupid, isn't it? My wife blessed my soul last night. I'm sitting there cutting out all the square angels, right? Old school, old school scissors. You know what I'm talking about? I'm cutting those out, and she's putting up one of the 71 Christmas trees we have in our house. And the and the biggest, the center, the one where all the gifts go around. She's putting this Christmas tree up, and she plugs it in. She's like, "Oh, great!" I just sat there for a minute because I knew a blessing was coming. I'm not contradicting myself. You'll understand in just a second. And I said, what is it, dear? That's what we call each other in stories that I tell on Sunday. And she said this to me. It was so powerful. It's, It's right in line with what I'm talking about. She said, absolutely nothing, just first world problems. And I went, what? She said, it's just some Christmas lights out. First world problems. I said, there's nothing wrong. And I thought But She said it so fast and so flippantly, I don't even know if you thought about it. But I sat there thinking to myself, holy, gracious, good God, what a testimony. How many times in my life I woke up this morning, glory to God in the highest. I got to come here and, and be with you. Like, you don't understand. People tell me all the time, I'm just so thankful for you. No, you don't understand. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for those of you who show up every Sunday, not because we can count and there's a big number of people here, but because you're invested in what God is doing here. And that's a testimony to me. There's nothing more powerful than a Christian looking down the battle lines and seeing their brothers and sisters in Christ ready to go to battle with them. Amen? I'm thankful for you. And I hope that we begin to look at our lives like this. Many of us are sitting awake at night in a bed, worried, sick, under a roof, with a device controlling the very temperature of our house. Do you hear me? Oh, my life. Babe, I'm miserable. Could you go? I want to be, go turn the air. It's a little warm in here. Turn, turn, Turn the air up a little bit. I'm a, yeah, could you get silk sheets next time? I like the way silk sheets fill on my skin when I'm miserable. I mean, that's the lives we live. We're, like, complaining and criticizing. We're like, God, why? We're like, we think we're Jesus from the cross. Why hast thou forsaken me? Laying in air-conditioned houses, in beds with the designer sheets. I mean, it's a, it's a, we're a mess. We got first world problems. And the devil loves it, doesn't he? I want you focused on that. There's so much good in our lives. How many of you have ever sat talking about a problem with a friend and took a second to give God praise and glory because you were sitting with a friend talking? We don't understand how blessed we are. How many of you have checked out recently and was just, golly, groceries are expensive? Anybody? And you paid for them. You paid for them. Now you had to put back some of the things you don't need, amen. Can't get whoppers. So I'm so I'm just so persecuted, right? We don't realize that we, like God is taking care of. Let me ask you something. We were in Mexico a few weeks back. And I was talking to the missionaries, a friend of mine from Bible college. And I was asking him, like, what do they, what do Mexicans eat like on a daily basis? And he said, most of them don't eat on a daily basis. They have to decide, based on their finances, when they're going to eat. Because they have to pay bills, and they have to work. And some of the jobs, you know, see these people. Like, for instance, the cement guy shows up. And he's dressed in a uniform. And he's doing the cement. And I was like, he's probably making bank, it? And he goes, no, he's barely making it. Here's what he ma-. He starts telling me this. And I'm thinking. I guarantee these people ain't showing up writing five ten thousand dollar checks to the church. That pastor came out to the job site every day, and you know what he did in his slacks in his nice shirt and his loafers, whatever we were doing. This brother showed up with more joy than I have seen in a long time, and he put the stuff that we were smearing. We had 27 people on one side, on one wall. Took them. It took them eight days to get that thing, put that stuff, put on that wall. That pastor went to the back of that house. And in 30 minutes, he had that whole wall done and he was just smiling and so thankful to be here, not eating every day. We don't understand the blessing of the Lord. He thought it was a blessing just to be there with us and work. Like we're missing the opportunity to be thankful Church. There's way more good in our lives than we even realize. The whole point of this idea of thankfulness is, is, is how we feel about these things that we're talking about. They affect what's going on in our lives. When we, when we look around and pay, pay more attention to blessing and realize that we are blessed and we have the things, it affects how we treat others At the end of the day, the person that you encounter whenever you're talking to someone is the person and how they feel about themselves, how they feel about the day, right? So you can understand that if I don't feel too good about myself, then the person you're going to encounter is probably not going to be that pleasant, right? If I don't see myself the way God sees me, if I see myself as less than God sees me, then the person you encounter is probably going to be a little bit miserable, right? This bleeds into all areas of our lives, Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, 29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment that it may give grace to those who hear. Here's what he's saying. When you speak, may it be a blessing to everyone who hears it. I'm a man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I sometimes think less than a quarter of what I say is a blessing to anybody. You know what I'm talking about? I'm just a man. I don't think before I speak. Anybody else just think, talk, think, talk, think, talk? I do, and it's terrible some of the stuff that comes out of my mouth, right? Some of the things that I don't think about. Can I be honest with y'all? Tell y'all a story that happened a long time ago this morning. This is what I'm talking about, I hate, y'all are gonna hate me. Well, good, because I don't want you here for me anyway. So, my wife came downstairs, and my wife is beautiful. I mean straight from the bottom to the top, top to the bottom, she is beautiful, you hear me? She's always been that way, like one time we was going to the Asian buffet, because we're classy, we walked up in that mug, you hear me? That's how we do it on date night, ain't that right, girl? I ain't leave, my girl ain't going home hungry and neither is your boo. And we was coming out, and somebody said to her, I'm getting emotional because I think of who she is. Somebody said to her, oh, my gosh, you are so beautiful. And I said, she can't help it. She's looked that way her whole life. Ain't that nice? Give me some credit because you're going to not like me anymore. No, I didn't say clap. I'm just a little, oh, it would have been cool because check this out. This morning she come downstairs, and I knew my wife had been up late, okay, because my wife doesn't like to inconvenience anyone, so she will work herself to death. And she comes downstairs and she's as beautiful as she always is. And I look at her and I said, Oh, girl, you stayed up late last night, didn't you? I know. She said, What do you mean? This is what I said. I have an opportunity at this moment to stop and think. I said, You're beautiful, but you look rough. You know what? It don't matter. There's no explaining your way out of that. You ever tried, man? That's what I'm talking about. Paul is literally, let me translate this directly from the Greek. Do not speak unless your words are encouraging. What do we think about Scripture? Would you agree that it's the Word of God that it's, as as Paul writes intentionally, God breathed? And so God says, if you speak, be encouraging. Listen, this is something that is difficult, right? But if we begin to take this seriously, what we begin to notice is that our hearts have to become thankful because it takes a thankful heart to speak encouragement, right? I have to be in a good place. And it's either nothing but manna or the provision of God. When it's the provision of God, my heart is thankful and out of my heart flows thankfulness. Do you understand? And that affects people, A thankful heart speaks encouragement to others. I speak to people every single day. They're discouraged about a lot of things. They're worried about the financial situation of the world. They're worried about job issues. There's political fears. There's family issues. There's all these things. And people, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ, could use a little encouragement. Amen? One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy, church. It's not Joy that's indicative of what's going on in your life. It's joy in spite of what might be going on in your life, right? I know that is so difficult. Anybody ever tried to wake up and go to the gym when you don't want to wake up and go to the gym? How many times do you end up at the gym? Zero. It's difficult. I understand that. This isn't something that's just easy. You go, all right, cool. I'm gonna just from now on every time I speak. Encouragement. But we've got to take it seriously because the devil takes it dead seriously. He knows that from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and it speaks life or death. And I'm telling you that the Spirit of God inside of those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, one of the the fruits of that Spirit, one of the characteristics of that Holy Spirit is joy, church. Listen to what James says about the power of the tongue. I'm going to try to read you this and not talk about what's going on here. I'm going to let it speak for itself. In James 3, verses 1, James says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we shall incur a stricter judgment. Those who teach the word of God, James is saying, will be judged more strictly. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is perfect, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put bits into the horse's mouth so that they may obey us, we also direct their entire body. Behold, the ships also Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, they are still directed by a very small rudder. And this powerful statement right here, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. You wonder why you can't control this right here? Who's the pilot? God says you control this. The pilot controls you. Sometimes the problem with our mouth is because of who's, in, who's the pilot. Sometimes it's our flesh, amen? Sometimes it's an attack in the, in the spiritual realm. It's, it's demonic influence. It's Satan. Sometimes it's, it's, it's God. Sometimes it's the Holy Spirit inside of us. So this is so critical because who the pilot is determines the direction of our mouths. What did, they, what did the Scripture teach us? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 5, so also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Behold, how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire. Powerful words by hell. For every species of beasts and birds of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. Has anybody in this room ever told anybody, why can't you just shut your mouth? Why can't you just be quiet? Why can't you just not talk back? Why you always got to say something? You ain't just saying because we can't control it. What he's saying is, no, if the, if the correct pilot isn't at the steering wheel of the ship, you'll be in control of this. No one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men. "...who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Neither can salt water produce flesh." You see how powerful the tongue is, how powerful our words are, and where our heart is, there our mouth speaks. And so this morning, real quickly, one of the ways that we change our heart's perspective from just manna, nothing but manna, or This is the provision of God as we learn to be thankful for God having moved in our lives. Yes, for the things he's given us, but just because I am, amen, just because of Jesus Christ, We, 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 we become thankful for those things, and as we become thankful for those things, out of the heart that's thankful, pours encouragement, pours thankfulness, pours worship. Three ways, right quick, we can demonstrate this. The way that we speak about ourselves demonstrates thankfulness. Human beings are created in the image of God. Genesis 127 says, and God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Wayne Grudem writes one of my favorite books to read outside of Scripture. It's called Systematic Theology. It's the idea of theologically thinking through Scripture systematically in other words, one thing comes after the next, comes after the next, comes after as a result of this, as a result of this, and so this, and so. And I love to read the way that he writes about the theological truths of Scripture. He says this, every single human being, no matter how much the image of God is marred by sin or illness or weakness or age or any other disability, still has the status of, of being in God's image and therefore must be treated with the dignity and respect that is due to God's image bearer. This has profound implications for our conduct towards others it means that people of every race deserve equal dignity and rights it means that elderly people and children the unborn every human being created deserves full protection as and honor as human beings that includes you do you understand that church is it true that i make, that i fail in my life yes but in christ I'm not a failure. Do you understand? I'm not talking about a person when I when I when I talk negatively about myself. I'm not talking about a person when I talk negatively about you. I'm talking about a person created in the image of God, which bears even more weight when that person has come to faith through obedience in Christ. Do you understand? It's a child of God that we're talking about. I remember when I was a child, and it's cliche today, but it's still just as powerful. I loved when I heard this statement, God made me and God don't make no junk. you hear me? And listen, we got to do a better job. we got to do a better job at understanding that the worst day that one of us has is not who we are as people. Let me tell you a story that was just profoundly impactful in my life. There was an individual that I greatly respected, much older than me, much wiser than me, still to this day think the world of them, their perspective on who God is and the way they disciple and impart that wisdom. And he's poured into me on numerous occasions, and there was one time when this person came into my life that we just got together and all they knew about me were casual conversations, maybe around lunch or over the phone or through text. But one time they got the opportunity to come to Crossroads and hear me lead worship. And they came up to me after I led worship and they were like, wow, that was incredible. You know, the things people say, but here's the thing that was so powerful. They looked at me and said, I thought to myself when I saw you up there, there he is. And I thought, what? It, didn't, it didn't hit me the way that it does now as an older man. But I look back on that now and I think to myself, what he decided that I was, was God through me. Not my mistakes, not when I was having a bad day, not the other things they knew about me, but when I'm walking fully in my potential and God's flowing through me, there he is we got to do a better job of seeing each other. When you begin to look at someone as having been created in the image of God, when you begin to look at especially your Christian brothers and sisters in Christ, Paul writes, when you begin to look at them as created in the image of God, it affects your attitude towards them. Amen? You were created in the image of God, and God don't make no junk. So the way I think about myself, the way I speak about myself demonstrates thankfulness. So the way I speak about others demonstrates thankfulness. The way I speak matters. The tone of voice that we use. I had a conversation with somebody not too long ago and I said it's not what you say, it's your tone of voice. You know what I'm saying? You don't know what I'm saying? Check it out. Here it is. I love you so much. Like you you have no idea what you mean to me. I love you. <sighs> I mean, you mean so much to me. No, seriously, you're literally the most important person in my life. Said no one ever. You know what I mean? You see what I mean? Like the tone of voice affects everything. How many of you have stopped your kid? Not because of what they said, but because of the way they said it. Thank you, Mom. Thank you, Mom. Same thing. The way we say it. it matters if there's condescension in our voice that matters that affects people's heart even though they deserve it if we're sarcastic that affects people's hearts right it's funny to be funny sometimes but sometimes it's enough sometimes what people need from us is encouragement not for us to fix everything not for us to warn them I mean, we're definitely called to hold each other accountable. Iron sharpens iron, butter don't sharpen nothing. You feel me? But the way we go about doing that, it matters. And not only how we speak, but what we speak. Is it encouraging? Man, Paul writes God says, let no thing come from your mouth unless it is encouraging. I'm in trouble. It's not just what we say even whether it's encouraging or not sometimes it's the content of a joke like how many times have you thought about the fact that you're telling an inappropriate joke just riddled with sexual content and somebody's standing there with you they may be laughing and carrying on but they struggle with that like they're fighting for their lives spiritually to walk in purity and you their Christian brother or sister in Christ just made it more difficult We don't think about stuff like that, do we? We don't think about how impactful our words are, not just our tone of voice, but the content of our speech. Again, it goes back to thankfulness. When I recognize this isn't just me getting to be with you, this is about me understanding. This is God opportunity God has given me to speak life. And lastly, so when we speak, we demonstrate thankfulness through the way we speak about ourselves the way we speak about others. But when I speak to God, I demonstrate thankfulness as well. Worship is a response to God's goodness. We respond to His holiness and we respond from a place of thankfulness. And I'll close with this Psalm 101 through 5 says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. I read that verse right there, and all my heart can think about is, when's the last time you did that when you weren't in church? You might get, I mean, some people look at you weird if you're in downtown Carrollton when there's a bunch of people on the street, and you just shout joyfully. I mean, I get that. But Jesus said, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Like, I'm not trying to impress mankind, right? I want God to know how I feel about him because he's already demonstrated how he feels about me. So the psalmist writes, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. God, you are a good, holy, mighty, merciful, righteous, perfect God. There is none like you. There never will be. Our attention is on so many things, God. We want you to reveal to us the areas of our life that we still have not surrendered to you. And God, if nothing else, show me the areas of my life where there's time that I continue to devote to myself or to anything else but you. God, I know this is so difficult and absolutely impossible. So I thank you for your grace and mercy when I fall short. But God, the desire of my heart is to get it right every time regardless of my capabilities, not because of them, God, but because I know who you are. And So we stand this morning and we worship you in Jesus' holy, mighty name. Amen.